Tandem Nomads, episode 72. But what I have come to realize, and I think it's important for any entrepreneur to know how the value of your service and the kinds of people you want to be working with, I would rather have the clients that I enjoy working with, um, that I know appreciate what we're doing. It's just more rewarding. And I think in the long run, it's going to bring more benefits. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show for expat partners. Every new episode is launched twice a month on Tuesdays. You will find here great inspiration and tips to build your portable career and thrive with your family in your global nomadic life. Hello, Nomad Nation. This is Emel Deregi, and our guest today is Marcel Yeager. Marcel was already interviewed, and she shared her story uh, before in the episode 29th of Tandem Nomads on tandemnomads.com slash 29, where she shared with us uh, about her identity challenges as an expat partner and uh, how um, how she managed to deal with uh, building her portable career. And also, we talked a lot about culture shock. But today, she's going to share more with us about her great advice and tips on um, what is it to be an entrepreneur and how to build a portable business. So Marcel, thank you for being here and are you ready for the ride? I am. I'm excited to be with you again. Fantastic. Me too. So Marcel Yeager is American. She recently moved from Chile to DC, Washington, DC in the US. Prior to Chile, uh, Marcel and her husband also lived in Uzbekistan and Russia. Marcel's background is in strategic communication. When she and her husband agreed to take the first assignment abroad that he was offered, she quit her promising career and uh, back home and decided to to take um, some jobs and do some freelance when she moved to Uzbekistan. But very soon after that, she launched her first business. Today, Marcel has two companies, Career Valet and Serving Talent. So Career Valet helps people looking for a job to perfect their resume and adapt it to their career goals. And Serving Talent is specially designed to help military spouses find a job and build their professional success while moving from a country to another. So Marcel, this is a quite brief overview of what you do and who you are. Is there anything I miss? And tell us what's happening in your world today. Sure. That, no, that was good. I think you covered <laughs> most of it. So with Career Valet, the real goal is to help any mid to senior level professionals in the U.S. or around the world get to the next level of their career. So that's usually through helping with job search advice and materials. And with serving talent, we're also helping foreign service spouses as well as military spouses to find jobs because as everyone in your audience knows, it's a challenge to continue your career while moving around frequently. Um, and today in my world, I would say that both um, businesses are going well. I've, I feel like fulfilled that I've been able to help people advance in their careers and not have to stop stop it by moving. And I'm just hoping that in the future to help even more. Fantastic. I cannot wait to have more information about that and listen to your story, how you grew your companies. Uh, it's not that you only have one, but two. So that's quite amazing. <laughs> but could you remind us a little bit for those who didn't listen to the first episode with you? Um, uh, how did you start this company? How did you go from being a freelance to, to starting a company? Sure. So 
I always thought I would start a company. When I was young, I had a little shop in my parents' house and friends would buy goodie bags and things. And everyone always said someday I would have a business. So the question, excuse me, was what should that be? And for years and years, I didn't know. And before we went um, overseas, the first time, well, the time when my husband joined the State Department here in the U.S., we, that was about five years ago. And I had just completed my MBA, but was working full time. And I decided, okay, if we're going to move, I need a connection. I need to continue my career. So that was kind of a, a kick in the butt for me to start my, my own business. Um, so I started Career Valley actually from Uzbekistan, but with a partner who was back in the United States, which was helpful because most of our client base is here in the U.S., and um, that's how it started. So I was working actually part-time there. I was lucky to work at the U.S. Embassy in public affairs and strategic communications, but at the same time with my partner, build the business. Um, and the only reason I started the second one was many people over these past five years have asked me, have I thought about helping the spouses to find jobs, spouses like, like me and, and the military spouses as well, and I thought for a long time, this is not a good idea. It's too challenging. Um, there's too many requirements, both on the client side as well as the spouse side. And the moves are too difficult. But I met a military spouse in Chile, our last assignment. And we decided to start serving talent together. Fantastic. But how did you start the original idea, you know, with the resumes? Because that's not, that's not your field. I mean, I mean... How, how does an idea like this start from nowhere? <laughs> Great question. Um, so in, as a final MBA project, I looked at what my portable career could be. I worked with a professor on it, did some research, read a lot of books. Um, and I came up with the career idea because I read one publication by a professor, I believe, at um, USC in California and he asked, what would you do for free? And for me, this, this is how I came to this, this answer. Um, so I realized, you know, there's a lot of things I've done over the years. I've always loved to dance. I thought about opening a dance studio. I love writing. You know, I thought about just trying to get more into publishing or something like that. But the other thing was this, this career idea, because for years, in my jobs, as well as on the side for family and friends, I've always helped with salary negotiations and resumes and given advice. And so, you know, I was talking also with my husband about these ideas and, and came to this. That's something I've always done. Maybe I should make it my company. And when I was speaking with my former colleague who became my business partner for Career Valley, she also said the same thing that for years she'd been doing that and she said hey why don't we try it together and that's kind of how it came to be um and she's since left but i've continued it and i think it's been a great kind of marriage between the communications experience that i had and my interest in helping people with their careers because i still get to write i get to use that creativity and the marketing and, and things like that that i enjoy but also my knowledge, having hopped around a bit from the private sector and communications to the government, um, 
in the United States helps me have a broader perspective. So whereas I used to think the jumping around in my career was a bad thing, I can now see the thread through all of it. And I can understand other people's career challenges better, I think, because I've had the different experiences. Definitely. It makes sense for you. But one thing that you said that I really want to highlight that I find really great is that the question you, you said uh, that somebody asked you when you did your, your professor asked you, what would you do for free? And I think Nomad Nation, this is a very good question to think about on you if you're trying to find your own business, your own idea to start your portable business. I know that when I work with my clients, one of the first sessions is about, you know, what are the skills that people ask you? What are the things people ask you for help? What are the things that your family and friends ask you for help and that you have to do without even thinking about it? It's so natural that you just do it. So this is a great question that you've asked to find, okay, what are the things I can do that I can transform into a business because that's really my asset. This is what I really know how to do well. And I think answering that question is the beginning of a successful business is knowing what's your talent and and what are you really good at. Right. Absolutely. Yes. And I, I've told people that over, over time when they've asked kind of how to get to this decision about what should I do. And the only thing I see is some people are hesitant because they say, well, I can't charge money for something like that because it's just what I do. You know, I give advice about travel. I give advice about where to take your kids in new cities, but I can't turn that into a monetary benefit. And then I talk to them and I say, well, but why not? Because you're the expert in that area and other people need that service because they don't have that expertise. And it's something you love and are good at. There's no reason not to turn it into that. That's how other entrepreneurs get started. That's how businesses get started, you know, and try to encourage people. Yeah, get beyond that limiting belief. Very good point. I'm so happy that you brought that because that's really where to start with was being an entrepreneur, I guess, um, and accepting to charge for it because at the end of the day, if you're good at something, you better be paid for it. Why be paid for something you're not good at? Nobody would would do it. So, so if you take it around, then it makes sense, you know. So yes. now that you had your idea and your business uh, idea. How did you make it a real business and start having clients? So we did a lot of marketing, of course. Um, The first step was we did a launch party, which was actually back in Washington, D.C. Unfortunately, I couldn't be there, but my business partner at the time was there. We had basically invited all of our former colleagues, friends, family, you know, anybody, and asked them to share the information via email at that time. And we got a fairly large crowd. And I think that helped spread the word quite a bit. Um, One of the other first things we did was made sure we had a simple website. So obviously you could send people to that for more information. Um, What else did we do? We, I think we reached out to a lot of sort of usual suspects. So universities, Um, that had career departments, career counseling departments to try to talk to them about maybe doing presentations there to get our name out. Um, And other partners just 
again, looking through our contacts that we thought might have good suggestions for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that that's really would be my recommendation. That's the place to start because our first clients definitely were friends or friends of friends. And it was hard, again, back to the point we just made to get over that first hurdle of, am I really qualified to do this? And oh my goodness, this person's going to pay me to give them career advice. I don't even have a degree in career counseling or coaching. This is just something I've developed over the years. But you know what? It worked out. Over time, we just gained more confidence in that and grew our client base from word of mouth. We didn't do much strict advertising, to be honest. Um, It's really grown organically. And I would say the majority, if not probably a 90% or so, comes from referrals even today. Yeah, that's just very important. And I think the the idea of launching with a party is such a good one, you know, because that people are always happy to get together and around some good food and some good drinks and <laughs> and, and gather. So that's a great way to communicate it. But also I like in 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 an, in one way what you've done is reaching out to people for help and asking them to to share the information. And I think this is a good way to start friends and family who do know you and know how good you are and what you do are mostly likely to want to share that information. So do not hesitate to ask for help. Yes. And I think one of the ways we did that was in the original email text, we basically gave people the text so they didn't have to send their own emails. We developed you know, about us and the services we provide and just said, here's the email. If you don't mind, could you please send it on to 10, you know, friends or or colleagues? And I think that really helped because then they could just press forward and, you know, delete a couple of things. And that was it. You know, here's my friend's company, check it out. And that worked very well. That actually worked as well for serving talent, to be honest, um, when we launched. And the other thing I did, and I just mentioned this because I think it's important to remember, even though I knew Uzbekistan was not a big market for these services, it's an unknown there as it is in many countries, you know, career counseling or having somebody else help you with your resume and so forth. But I actually, as I got to know people there and felt I had a big enough base, I did a sort of launch brunch there as well. And um you know, I got only about 10 expats to come, but I've had three or four of those people as clients over time. So it didn't immediately happen, but some of them came back to me even several times from that date forward, a year, two years after. And so you never know where your clients will come yeah, from. Very, it'll take. Yeah, very interesting. And I also want to highlight another thing that you said is prepare the pitch, prepare the text. And that's useful for two things. The first thing is that, uh, first of all, you make it easier for those who want to share the information for you. And second, it's also a guarantee that the person says the right thing, that you want people to not you know, misrepresent whatever um, your company does and make sure that the right wording is used. So I, I definitely recommend that, what you did to prepare your pitch, what I call your pitch, and uh, and share that pitch and make it just that people just can copy and paste it instead of having to reinvent it. 
Exactly. But I would still encourage them to add like a word or two that's more personal at the beginning. Say, hey, this is what my friend do- does. Please check it out or something like that to, to have people really connect with the person who's forwarding that information. Yes, good point. Yeah. Wonderful. So is there any marketing strategies you have proactively implemented, let's say now about Career Valet? What have you done to get your name out there um, and to start, you know, positioning yourself as an expert in the topic of resumes? I think the greatest thing that happened and sort of a milestone was, I think, in 2014, um, about, yeah, in March, so almost um, three years ago now, I was able to get a writing gig with U.S. News and World Report. They have an on-careers blog that's a regular weekly blog. And I had been pitching different stories about careers to different outlets that I knew wrote on those topics. And I got lucky that they were interested. I mean, I had a couple of things published elsewhere, but the fact that they asked me to do this regularly was a huge success and has brought in a lot of inquiries and clients. Um, and I think that's really helped because that also enabled other reporters to find me and ask me for information or quotes for other publications that are fairly large. So that's helped me also to get my name out. Um, and I, yeah, I would say that's probably the biggest one. And someone had given me that advice in the beginning, try writing for different publications. Um, and I think that was just excellent advice. Um, so that's, that's the main one. And the other thing I do that I, I don't know if you would consider it marketing, but I really make a point to be personalized with my clients. So I follow up with them, you know, a couple months down the road. I tell them constantly through the process, I want to find out where they go next. Um, And I track all of this information so that I know who's getting interviews, who's getting hired, um, how about how long did it take after we worked together. And what I found is giving that personal attention has made people come back. I mean, I've had so many return clients, which makes me very happy, of course, and and proud. Um, And then that people still refer me, you know, a couple years after I've worked with them to hear from somebody who says, oh, you worked with my wife or you worked with my friend or my colleague. So I think that personal attention has almost been a marketing strategy of sorts. It's very important. I'm so happy that you brought that up because I do believe that, you know, at the end of the day, being an entrepreneur is about caring for your clients. And that's the real source of success. If you really care for your customers, and like you said, you did follow up with them. It's not about once they pay you, it's over. Um, Actually, the best customers in any company is those who are already there and that you can follow up for them to either forward the you know referrals or come back so very important to not dismiss those who already have been clients and keep that relationship and i guess marketing is all about for me um 
yeah, about building true relationships. And this is where you've been successful. Um, but I also like your advice about writing, um, about, you know, finding publications and blogs where you can contribute. Because if you do it on a regular basis, you become the expert that people reach out to. And, and you're not promoting yourself in those publications. It's not about you, but it's about proving your expertise with your articles. Uh, and that has worked for you. Right. And the great thing, too, is that, you know, there are some that are paid. Um, I'm currently writing for another one that that's that way, but some are unpaid. Um, and so it's not you need to think about it. Like you said, it's, it's a marketing strategy. It's showing your expertise and then people are going to come to you for that. So it's almost like free advertising for yourself mm-hmm. and your expertise and it's true, and it's kind of been amazing to me to see the traffic that comes in. And, you know, sometimes I think people read something and then just have a follow-up question or want me to look and give them recommendations on their resume. So you do have to protect your time a little bit sometimes. But I think overall, it's been a great way to showcase that. And do you have any advice on how to get a publication to accept your, your articles and your writing? I think the best thing to do is read as much as you can on that publication site, whether it's blogs, articles, what kind of topics do they cover before you submit to make sure that your submission kind of has the same length, uh, the same tone, um, an approach that the other writers are using and then go from there. And I would say I've had some luck since then actually contacting reporters on LinkedIn. Um, so if you know, for instance, that Real Simple has an organizational um, expert column and you're an organization expert, you can go on LinkedIn, look up that reporter's name, probably find them there, and even write to them directly and give your pitch. You know, like you said, but this time a pitch for a story, you don't even have to have the whole story written. But if you have an idea, you might send them a couple of paragraphs or bullet points to show what else you'd include in the article and just see what they think. Um, And it could be that they, you know, they say, no, we don't need this, but they might also say, thanks for reaching out. When I have a need, I might contact you for a quote, for your expertise. Mm-hmm. So it can kind of go both, both ways, which is yeah. the great thing. Yeah. And this is, these people are always looking for content. That's the source of their business. They need content and valuable content. So if you can pro- provide it to them, they're more than willing to accept. But I think the secret here for you was to also build a relationship with those uh, platforms and find the right person. And I think that's really critical, finding who's behind it, who's writing often, and then search for that person on LinkedIn and start creating a relationship. That's also, and that relationship is not only about short-term results, but building something on the long term that this person will eventually come back to you by themselves and they will remember you you know if it's only about selling and pitching it also it's the same like with clients if you do care about providing them what they need they will remember you yes and i would recommend following up as i mean not every month but maybe you know every two to three months with these people and just checking in just to remind them of who you are, because as you say, they know they're very busy, but they do like to have kind of a roster 
of people that they can reach out to for different topics. So you're making their job easier by keeping in touch and keeping top of mind. Yeah. And it's same for PR when you reach out to journalists. I mean, I think it's good to always follow up with them, not necessarily directly by email, but by reading their articles regularly, commenting on their articles so that they notice you before even you reach out to them. That's a great point too. And something I keep reading and I need to do more of myself. <laughs> but if you do have those people who you find write really great content, I think that's a great idea. You know, to, if you share their content on LinkedIn, make sure you link to them, to their name, to their company, so that they see that you're sharing it. Or on Facebook, wherever you might share it, I think it's definitely, or Twitter. Yeah. Um, it's a great strategy. Social media is such a great way nowadays to build relationships. I mean, uh, as much as we can criticize it, it's been very effective for so many people. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I still have some people who still hesitate to use social media. And I, I'm one of them that did not want to use social media, but I don't think there is any other better tool to start promoting our, our services and, and getting our names out there. Yes. And building relationships. <laughs> yes. And there's so many different ways now that, that you can do it. I mean, we, for a while, we actually tried Twitter chats in the beginning with Career Valet and found it was hard to build an audience, but I think that it was too soon. So I think there's some strategies to think about, like the sharing articles and getting noticed and building the relationships with key people is sort of the first step. And then once you create more of a base and get more known, which can take time, then you might think about doing more with, you know, when you have a bigger audience, you can engage more on these other things. Definitely. Yeah. You mentioned briefly something that I would like to come back to about tracking the information and the relationship. Do you have like a tool for that? Or uh, how do you do that to, to like keep track of all the people you talk to and, and what did you exchange? Because that's not easy because the more you go forward, the more people you'll be in touch with. Yes. And I... <laughs> I'm always thinking I need to get some system like Salesforce, but I've been hesitant because, again, the numbers have grown over time, but it's not unmanageable. So I'm very old-fashioned and old-school, and I use Excel yeah. to track um, each client, the last communication I had with them, what it was about, uh, very brief notes, you know, nothing too complicated. Um but it also, and then, you know, when they found a job or how long it took them to interview. And then I have my statistics at the bottom in order to figure out what the percentages are. Um, and then that information I share and update every few months, I would say, on social media, on my website, um, everywhere. And I, because I think that's something I don't see many people doing, and I would highly recommend it no matter what your business is. If there's some way you can track customer satisfaction, referrals, you know, um, job success, whatever it is, I think that that's a great tool for you to promote the success of your business. Yeah, that's very, I'm so happy you brought up the fact of, of also feedbacks. It's very important as, as, as soon as you finish with a client, make sure that they give you feedback first, because you want to know what they think. And second, that could be used for your marketing too, if, if they accept to, that you can publish it on your website or other things like that, right? 
Yes. And testimonials too. Um, yeah. Are a great tool because you can use them across platforms. You can use them both on LinkedIn and your, excuse me, your website. Um, you can use them even on Facebook for reviews on Google reviews. Um, so yeah, don't be afraid to ask for feedback and testimonials. Yeah, very good advice. Oh my God, we already covered so many great tips uh, to, to build and, and grow a business. But I would like to know now on a more personal level, what are your biggest challenges as an entrepreneur and how do you deal with them? Great question. There's always challenges. There's great days and not so great days and good weeks and not so good weeks. Um, one of my biggest challenges personally has been being in the U.S. so little for the five years I've had career valet. Because when I think about it, I've been here now a total of 14 months between two different times. So I had an eight-month period in between. A couple of years ago, I was here for my husband's training. And now I've been here since July only. So That's challenging because I've had requests for speaking opportunities. I think there were two last year in June, but we were moving back to the U.S. in that month. There was no way with between my children and my house, you know, packing up that I could make it back to D.C. in time. Those kind of things are very hard for me to accept because I know there are huge marketing opportunities. Uh, some of these opportunities for me are great for both businesses because if I'm meeting potential clients to give our candidates from serving talent to, but also showing my career expertise, you know, there's, they're connected, you know, so that's been challenging. Um, But you mean, I'm not sure I understand. You mean like the challenge is the missed opportunity uh, that you have by not being able to be in a certain place? Yes. Yes. Because okay. most of Most of my client base is here in the U.S. just because that's where this industry is most understood of career advice and job search, help. Um, I've seen in a lot of countries that it's done for companies or organizations, but not for individuals. And most of my clients are the individuals. So I haven't been able to build the business as much as I wanted to from abroad. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. But um, now in this year, is it easier that you're back home? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I've been able to do a lot more events to connect with people in person. A lot of people I've spoken to on the phone to meet in person and developing those relationships, as you know, is key um, to future success, to going back to, again, keeping top of mind. So they come to you when they have a need for a speaker or a panelist or writing opportunity. Um, I think another big challenge that I face that's a little bit different is how to position the business because there are a lot of lower cost services out there that offer resume templates. You know, there's software services now that do that. And then some companies that just charge a lot less. And the, the service we offer, because it's so personalized and we hold consultation with the client, we ask very specific questions. We don't have a boilerplate set of questions. They're 
directly related to the client's current or past resume. Mm -hmm. It's tailor-made service. It's very tailored. And mm -hmm. so the ideal clients, of course, are those that really want to invest in their development, in their future, and see the value and understand that that investment in monetary investment is going to come back when they get their next job mm -hmm. um, and they're eager to do it. But I have had a lot of people balk at the prices and say, oh my God, you're going to charge this for, for the resume. But what I've come to realize, and I think it's important for any entrepreneur to know, is that those are not the clients that I want. Exactly. You have to think about how the value of your service and the kinds of people you want to be working with And sometimes I do get hung up. I'll be honest with, you know, why is this company getting more business when they are doing this? But in reality, that's, that's not the kind of business that I want to run. I would rather have the clients that I enjoy working with, um, that I know appreciate what we're doing. It's just more rewarding. And I think in the long run, it's going to bring more benefits to me personally, as well as the company. Definitely. I think it's very important what you just said here in terms of pricing, because that's one of the basics of any business. How do you, uh, you know, hold your prices and stick to them once you decide them? First of all, you have to know where you want to position yourself, like you said, and then defend your position with real arguments. In your case, is the fact that it's tailor-made. You're not a software. It's not automated questions. It's all um, based on what your specific client needs. And it's very important to be able to, on one hand, explain that, and on the other hand, say no to those who refuse that price because, like you said, they're just not the people for you and you're not the right person for them. And that, that's an excellent point, too, is it's okay to say no. Yeah, It's taken me a long time to realize that, and I still sometimes underprice my time, and then I get frustrated. Mm. And over time, of course, we started with lower prices and built them up over the years um, based on what we thought was reasonable, but it's okay to say no. And there's some people who I've just felt like, you know, this is going to take too much time and they're not willing to spend how much I think this time is worth. It's not going to work. And I think you can't always say that at the beginning of starting your business, but as time goes on and you see there's a need and you have people coming to you, you can start to say no um, because you do. You have to value your time and your expertise. So powerful. Very true. Thank you for that. So, you know, there's another challenge I could see. I don't know if you have it, but um, you're a mom, you're a wife, you have a busy life. So how are you juggling um, all of this, family life and business at home. Um, and you do have a business from home. So how do you make sure to have the time you need to grow your business while taking care of your family? That's very hard to do. <laughs> and I, I will say that sometimes I'm very successful at it and have the creative juice to develop the business and I'm getting excited and everything's good. And then things will happen you know, life happens. Um, and I just don't have the time some weeks to do any of that. And it's frustrating for sure. Um, so I do my best to try and schedule my time, but it doesn't always work where I'm working on specific things. I write it in my calendar. 
you know, if it's generating leads for certain talent among clients, or if it's doing client work, following up with clients for career valet, I try to break that into time on my calendar so that I don't fill it with calls um, with clients on a day I'm supposed to be doing something else. But that doesn't always work. So it's a constant juggling act. Um, I'm always talking to myself and saying, it's okay. You know, I, I pressure myself into trying to get too much done many days. And then at the end of the day, I have to kind of talk to myself and say, it's okay that I didn't get all five things done. You know, mm-hmm. I can save it for tomorrow or Monday. Um, but sometimes owning your business is tough because of course, your work is going to overlap with your life. And sometimes, you know, even when the kids are home, I'll have to do something as much as I try not to do that. I'll have to send emails or have a call and it's going to happen, but I've, I've kind of accepted that at the same time, I have the flexibility to pick them up from school, you know, to, to be there for them and also have my own thing. So important. It's important. So even though it does bleed into each other, it's, I think for me, it's worth it rather than being away from them the entire day. I mean, for me personally, that's better. It's not right for everybody, but, but I feel in the long run that that's, that's a better decision for me and my family. Yeah. Thank you for being so authentic and sharing that answer. Cause I know that some people who try to tell you, oh, they do it. They just manage and they're so good at it. And it's true. I mean, it's okay to not be perfect at everything. And, and that's part of the journey in any business. I don't ever think that there's any entrepreneur that does it all right, uh, be it a mom or not. So um, I think that's important to just give yourself some slack at some point, but also still keep your ambitions high and, and try to juggle with that as long as you take care of yourself um, physically. And, and, you know, and like you said, also do things for yourself besides the family and work, go for jogging, meet with friends, do some sports. Very important for that balance. Yes, you have to know what what you need. I mean, I know, like you just said, that's a great point that, you know, I do need to schedule time, like lunch or coffee with friends sometimes, or to go out with them in the evening or to exercise. And all of these things, you know, you have to be very aware that you're also scheduling them. It might not be every week. Like I know for me personally, if work's going really well one week, then exercise is not as important to me because Mm -hmm. I get the high from the success and and having the time for work and doing well and, and my clients. Um, But then, you know, there's other times when it's not feeling like that. So I say, okay, maybe I need to step back. Maybe I haven't seen friends in a while. Maybe I need to just go out and work in a coffee shop and not be alone in my house working um, by myself or, Maybe I need to go out for a long walk or do some exercise. So I think it, you just have to keep in mind where your mind is, how you feel, and then change your plan based on that. Be flexible enough to change your plan sometimes. Yeah, so important. Thank you so much for sharing that, Marcel. And 
before we say goodbye, I would love to know, but there is an important thing about being uh, having a portable business is the technologies we use to make it portable. So do you have any online resources that you find indispensable for your business? I do. I absolutely love Squarespace for websites. Um, I may have mentioned this actually in the, in the previous episode, but it's so easy to use. And everyone that tells me I have no idea how to do web design, they have beautiful templates for all kinds of businesses, lots of interactive features, great customer service. I found that indispensable because I don't need to rely on another person to update my statistics every time or information or if I change my bio once in a while, it's much easier to operate it by myself. It's also very cheap. It's a yearly subscription um, that I believe is under $200 mm-hmm. US dollars. Um, MailChimp, I also find indispensable for creating newsletters, holiday cards for clients. You can upload all of your contacts there and send out, again, pretty nice templates. So just to explain, MailChimp is an automated tool to send newsletters. So uh, in order, you don't have to send your emails one by one. You upload all your contacts, write the text, and then it automatically even personalizes. Uh, you can even personalize it for each person, but it's at least automated. It's a newsletter platform. Exactly. And it's free. You can pay for additional uh, services they offer, but basically it's free. I use the free version and have no problem with it. So Mm -hmm. it's a great tool. Those are really the main ones that I use. Um, and I I would say my calendar is of course (laughs) (laughs) stuck to my hip or in my pocket all the time. And that's just my regular calendar on my iPhone, but that keeps me on track and lets me not forget what I planned for the day or overlap scheduling so fantastic and was there were there any other any books that inspired you in your entrepreneurial journey definitely i'm always trying to read more and find time for that (laughs) but two that really stick out in my mind are passion capital by paul alofs a-l-o-f-s i believe um he really talks about how passion and imagination are what drives any business, whether it's big or small. So that for me was very important because I realized my passions are behind what I'm doing and that's what's important. And the other one is Essentialism by Greg McEwen. And that one is really good for anyone entrepreneur or not because it just talks about how you need to figure out what's really important to do today at this moment. Do I really need to send this email right now? Is this lightning going to strike if I don't send it by tonight? So I sometimes, you know, other, some days I forget to do this, but other times I really am thinking, okay, how important is this? Do I have to make this call today? And it helps keep me grounded. So I would recommend that to anybody. And it's a very quick read. Fantastic. Wonderful. So you said Passion Capital and Essentialism. Those two books, I'm going to put them, Nomad Nation, on the show note page or the web page of this episode. Um, Thank you so much, Marcel. This was just amazing how many amazing advice you just shared with us. It's just really great. And I just want to make sure that we know where to find you. What's the best way to find you and your two companies and your services? 
The best way is probably on LinkedIn because you'll see both my businesses there and what we do and the links to our web pages. So yeah. Okay. Like great. To connect so, so just as a reminder, surveying talent is for, tra- for military spouses who are looking for a job. So it's servingtalent.com, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then careervalet.com for your resumes. Right. Yes. So if anyone, right. if Nomad Nation, you need any help in uh, having tailor-made advice to design the perfect uh, resume for you, so don't hesitate to check it out. All this information will be on the webpage of this episode. Marcel, thank you so much for all this inspiration and fantastic tip. It's been so much fun to do this with you. Thank you, Amal. Same here. Nomad Nation, I hope that you enjoyed the great insights of our guest today. If you did, please make sure to share it with your friends. See you at the next episode and stay tuned to turn your challenges into great opportunities.